ho, ho, and a Merry Christmas to all our silver screen viewers. And welcome back to this, our second annual Christmas special of the Silver Screen Podcast, in which we uh, break down a Christmas movie and have a little bit of festive fun. I am joined, as always, by my own personal elf, DK. <laughs> Hello, I am the ghost of Christmas past. The 80s were so much better. <laughs> and we are joined by, again, our regular helpers, our kind of reindeer, if you will, <laughs> Adrienne, welcome. Uh, I don't know what sound reindeers make or I would make it, so hello, everyone. <laughs> I was trying to come up with sort of clever reindeer names, so I was going to say Adrienne the Vixen, and then I was like, that, that sounds a little bit odd. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> That's okay. I'll, I'll be a Vixen for, for the show today. And, awesome. And we're also joined by, I don't know, our dancer? Sandy, welcome back. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so yeah, the four of us are here to review a Christmas movie and as I said, have a little bit of fun for the end of the uh, recording year, although we will be back with a live special likely in a, a week or so. Uh, so yeah, if you are unfamiliar with us, as I, well, I should probably put the banner up, which I have forgotten to do until now, but now I can reveal that the movie we're going to be looking at, if you can't, uh, if you're not watching on YouTube and can't see our little avatars, is the movie Scrooged. <clears throat> from 1986, I want to say. I can't actually remember. <laughs> DK, you, you're good at this. You tell me. <laughs> uh, not good this time. Let me have a quick look. <laughs> I can't remember if it, it's sometime in the 80s, and I know it's after Ghostbusters and before. I thought it was 87, but I'll, I'll double check. Yeah, I'm going to go and have a look. I don't. It doesn't matter. I just, 88. 88. Apparently. 88. <laughs> we were both wrong. Well, we were all vaguely in the right area. In any case, it was the 80s. It's a very yuppie Christmas special. But yeah, uh, before all of that, I do have a festive quiz planned to get us all into the mood and have a bit of fun and loosen us up a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> I've written it, so I'm going to be the quiz host, uh, as you know, per usual. Uh, and it's a four-round quiz. They're all four completely different kinds of rounds, which I'll reveal to you as we go. So without any further ado, uh, I'm going to throw us over to the silver screen festive quiz. So welcome to this uh, this Christmas seasonal quiz. Our contestants, obviously, DK, Adrienne, and Sandy. Are you all uh, raring to go? Ready. Awesome. DK? Yeah. Adrienne? Yahoo! Oh, yay. And uh, DK and Sandy, this is your second in uh, a matter of two weeks because you did just do the musical lyrics quiz with us uh, on our previous episode. So now you're out to... Uh, Redeem yourselves after after not winning that one, I believe. <laughs> yes, thank you for mentioning that. <laughs> yeah, I got my <laughs> Well, we'll see. So I'm going to explain each round as we go. So round one is a round that I call Do Quote Me On This. And it is quite simply, I have a list of 10 uh, quotes from movies. Obviously, they are holiday movies. I'm going to read out the quote. And uh, as we did in the lyric quizzes, I want your to shout out your name as your buzzer. So if you think you know it, shout out, and I'll you know whoever gets there first, I'll ask you for your answer. Uh, and yeah, we'll just take it from there. If, if anybody gets it wrong, I'll throw it open to the others, etc. Pretty straightforward uh, this round, anyway. So are we all ready? Fingers on non-existent buzzers on vocal cords, I suppose. <laughs> yes. Right. <clears throat> Quote number one: We elves try to stick to the four main food groups: candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup. Oh, that's from the, oops. Just what shout your I? name if you think you know it, Adrian. I, Adrian. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's really weird to shout my name. Okay. Um, that is Elf. It is Elf. Well done. <laughs> Number two. You're what the French call les incompetents. Sandy. Oh. Andy. It is Home Alone. Yes, it, it is. It is Home Alone. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so can Number I change three. my name to, can I please change my name to O? <laughs> if you like. <laughs> <laughs> you can be eight if you want, if it's easier than having to pronounce the whole thing. <laughs> uh, you can be me. since. <laughs> anyway, so uh, number three, take care of my heart. Yeah, I promise. It was always going to be yours, one way or another. DK. DK? Last Christmas. Yeah, that was a gift for you, basically. I don't even know if the other two have seen it. Oh, I don't <laughs> they should. know it's what brilliant. that is. is it a oh, that's a film you should watch this year, then. It's fantastic. Yeah. That that is last Christmas is equivalent to Klaus. Mike's yeah. been getting on oh. me to watch that for ages, oh. and I finally did, and it is brilliant. Oh, great! Okay. Yeah, it stars Amelia Clark. If you're looking for, if there's anything else with a vaguely oh, similar that's title. right. That's right. Yes. Oh, that's <laughs> right. That's right. Okay. Right. Uh, I'll be amazed if anyone gets this, but why not? Number four. Oh yes. Well, know this: time travels with you. The night of the world is a passage of endless night for you until your mission is done. Adrian. Adrian? That is the Doctor Who Christmas thing. It is not, sorry. No, these are all just <laughs> these are all movies I haven't included uh, TV. Oh, okay, then, then it's got to be Krampus. It's not Krampus, I'm afraid either. No. I'm, I'm gonna take a stab at Santa Claus the movie. And you'd be right to do that. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah. DK, you're amazing. Well done, DK. An extra point for you. Number five. Put that cookie down. If I'd done it in the accent, you all would have got it. <laughs> Put DK. that cookie down! Oh, the great Adrian. DK. <laughs> jingle all the way. It's Jingle All the Way. I've never seen that. <laughs> what? What the one oh, you should watch gosh. then? I'm, I'm going to be grounded. I knew it. I only watch him <laughs> up at Christmas Carol. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <clears throat> right, number six. Mm, you will love business. It is the American way. Sam. It's just a distorted expression. England. Oh, oh. It is the British way. Okay. Adrian, Adrian. Okay. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. Christmas Carol. Oh, it was not Christmas Carol. I desperately tried not to show my hand <laughs> as Adrian mentioned that just before I came to it on the list here. I tried uh, like DK. This is not the question you're looking for. <laughs> Move along. Number seven in this round then. Hey, business is business. You use a gun, I use a fountain pen. What's the difference? Let's put it in my terms. You're in a hostile takeover. You snatch us up some green mail. But you're not expecting... DK? Die hard. It is die hard. Mm -hmm. Thank DK, you. DK, you are running away with this. Yeah, yeah you will. <laughs> uh, right, number eight. You sit around here and you spin your little webs and you think the whole world revolves around you and your money. Well, it doesn't, Mr. Potter. In the whole vast configuration of things, I'd say you were nothing but a scurvy little spider. Oh, that's the black and white one. Um, yeah, that is, of course, the movie. Uh, Adrian. <laughs> oh, Adrian. I can't. Why am I not really I'll call out your name. He becomes an angel. He becomes an angel at the end. The nice guy it's, we love. It's there. You, it's on the tip of your tongue. I know. It's the. Oh. Someone else can take it. It's Nick. Okay. It's a wonderful life. Yes, it's a wonderful life. It is. It's a wonderful life, Sandy Welder. <laughs> Slightly catching up with DK there. <laughs> uh, number nine. I'm not just a whimsical figure who wears a charming suit and affects a jolly demeanor, you know. 
I'm a symbol. I'm a symbol of the human ability to be able to suppress the selfish and hateful tendencies that rule the major part of our lives. Adrian, if you can't believe, oh. Adrian, I heard is you that the, the Santa Claus? It is not the Santa Claus. Oh, that was actually my guess too. Do okay. either of you two know it or should I carry on? DK? Is it Miracle on 34th Street? It is Miracle on 34th Street. Wow, you are, are you just an expert on all Christmas movies? What's going on here? Okay, we uh, know uh, DK's guilty pleasure is he watches Christmas Yeah, clearly. In the all summer. Year long. Not every <laughs> yes, pleasures are guilty. <laughs> <laughs> proud. And last, uh, last one for this round then, if we're already number 10. <clears throat> it came without ribbons. It came without tags. It came without Andy. packages, boxes. Sandy? How the Grinch stole Christmas, or yeah, the or the Grinch, the Illumination yeah. version, one, yeah. but yeah, either the, one. The first one, the good one. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I love the Illumination one. I just don't love the Jim Carrey one. So, oh, yeah. the original, <laughs> the one, one with the uh, Benedict Cumberbatch doing the voice is actually pretty good. I like. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the original is still the best. So, at the end of that round, then uh, DK, you are in first place with six points. Sandy, you are in second with three points. Adrienne, you are just behind with one point during the Ooh. career, but. Still all to play for. We have another three rounds. So quickly going straight on to number, uh, sorry, round number two then. Uh, and it's the round that I call It's Christmas All Over the World. There are five questions to this one. I'm going to name you a movie uh, from its translated foreign title. So basically I will give you the, the country that it's from and what the title is. We're going to see if you can guess what the movie is. And again, they're all Christmas movies. So it might be just worth a shot if you don't know it. Because uh, this might be a bit difficult. So uh, number one. Which movie is known in Denmark as Mission Colon Christmas Present? Go on, have a guess, DK? someone. DK? It's not Jingle All the Way, is it? It is Jingle All the Way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's the only so one I could think of where he's searching for a present, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number two, then. In France, which film is known as The Tree Has the Balls? Nobody wants to hazard a guess at this. <laughs> I can't even hazard a guess. No, shall I just reveal it then? Yeah, you better. That was apparently the translated French title for National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, oh that's a, one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan, but anyway, oh. that's a different description. <laughs> I really do need to give it another go. I've only seen it once. Uh, anyway, number three, which film is known in Italy as Mom, I Missed the Plane? Sandy, okay. Home Alone. Andy? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, but that was my Home Alone. Oh, okay. I didn't hear anything else, so I'm just going to okay. <laughs> That's a point for Sandy. Let's see, number four. Which film is known in Germany as Is This Life Not Wonderful? Sandy. Adrian. Sandy? It's a Wonderful Life. It's, it's a Wonderful Life, absolutely. <laughs> uh, you're definitely catching up now, Sandy. And finally for this round, which film is known in Spain as The Glass Jungle? DK. DK? Die Hard. Die Hard is right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and at the end of that round, DK, you're in first place with eight points. Sandy, you're catching up with five. Adrian, you're still on one, but you can you can still turn it around. So round three is a round that I call Holly Yeh or Holly Nay. So I'm going to give you the titles of 10 movies. And I want you guys to tell me if these following movies are actual Hallmark movies or just fake ones that I've completely made up, okay? <laughs> so oh, in this round, I'm just going to come to each of you individually because there's no point in shouting out since we can just get the correct responses. So um, 
I'll give you the title then come to you each one at a time as on the screen here, DK, Adrian, and Sandy, and we'll take it from there. So, number one, is this Holly Yay or Holly Nay? Is it real or fake? Three wise men and a baby. DK. I'm going to say Holly Nay. Okay. Uh, Adrian? Oh, that's a movie, right? Okay. That's so a Sandy? movie. Sandy? Um, I'm going to say no also. It is actually a Hallmark movie, so Adrienne, you're the only one <laughs> yeah. that gets a point for that. Oh, you got to be kidding movie. me. It exists. I, it's out there. And the I don't watch those. <laughs> I've never watched a Hallmark thing, Christmassy thing, so yeah. I'm lucky. <laughs> Number two, Meet the Santas. DK? Holly Nay. Okay. Adrienne? Well, like, is it like Meet the Parents, but it's Santa? I don't know. I'm, I'm, it, maybe it's fake. I don't know. <laughs> uh, pass. Because that no, could you, be a movie. <laughs> that you, just you, sounds you, like somebody. You don't think it's a movie. Okay, fair enough. And uh, let's see. Sandy? Holly Nay, too. So you all say no? I pass because um, it might be a movie. You're all wrong. It is actually a movie. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Number three, Captain Christmas. Do you care? I'm going to say Holly Nay. One of them's got to be right, surely. Okay, so you're saying no, Adrian? No, too obvious. Okay, and Sandy? I'm going to be the outlier and say yes. <gasps> Sandy, you're the only one that doesn't get a point. It's Captain <laughs> Christmas. It's not a Hallmark movie, although it is an incredibly racist nine-minute short film, which I do not recommend you going to look up. Oh, because... no. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not good. It's the spirit of Christmas taking on all the other various religions and it gets very weird. Wow. <laughs> anyway. <I'm laughs> Number four, Christmas at Dollywood. Uh, DK. Holly Yay. Okay. Uh, Adrian? Yes, that's a movie. Okay. And Sandy? Yes. And you all get a point, of course. Christmas at Dollywood is a movie. How would I have come up with that out of nowhere? <laughs> <laughs> she loves Christmas. She's... I love her. Uh, just checking the points here. There we go. Tallying that up. Uh, number five, away in a manager. DK. <laughs> I'm going to say Holly Yay. Okay, you're saying yes. Adrienne? I don't think so. You're saying no. no. And uh, Sandy? No. Uh, DK, you are wrong. A we and a manager is, of course, something I just completely made up. <laughs> oh, that would have been a perfect title for a whole man. <laughs> I, did, I would lie, I did actually get it from a, an article of like humorous possible Hallmark movies that would recommend the uh, synopsis and what it could be, which I, uh, you know, if, if you get a chance to Google it, I can't remember where I found it, but it was like, yeah, I'm going to put that on because it could be. <laughs> Number six, Bone Alone. DK. What's it called? Bone Alone. Oh my God. Is this DK? Hallmark or porn movies? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I... Oh God. Against my better judgment, I'm going to say yay. You're going to say yes? Okay. Adrienne? Hmm. Well, if TK says yes, then maybe it's a movie. Okay. So you're saying yes. And Sandy? I'm saying yes, too, because I'm man uh, imagining this with a with a dog. Yeah, um, you all get points. That is basically just Home Alone with a dog. And yes, oh. I do own it. And I was given it by my sister one Christmas. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, dear. <laughs> 
<laughs> maybe I'll take a picture of it and show you guys. It just, yeah, yeah I, I, I sometimes can't believe it's real either, but yeah, I'm alone with the dog. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> number seven, Christmas at Graceland. DK. Colleen May. Saying no, okay. Uh, Adrian. Graceland? Yeah, I mean, it probably like a TV movie because... Well, so a, yeah, I mean, I'd say there's probably that because uh, okay. Graceland is popular for all that stuff. So I'd okay, say there's so a movie saying, of it. I think there's, yes, yeah, there's probably movie. a movie of that. And Sandy? I'm going to say no. Uh, Adrian, the only one to get points there, there is actually a Christmas at Graceland. <laughs> yes, weirdly enough, there's a Christmas at Dollywood and a Christmas at Graceland. They both exist, <laughs> believe it or not. Uh, number eight, Super Best Friends, DK. Holly Nay. Okay. Adrian? I don't think so. You don't think so? Okay. Well, and uh, right, Sandy? I, I, a holiday Christmas oh. movie? Super best friends? Yeah. Maybe. Well, uh, decide. <laughs> I'll say yes. You're going to say, oh, okay. You're saying yes. So yeah, that's one, no, one, yes. yes. <laughs> Sandy? I'm going to say yes. <gasps> DK, the only one to get points there. That's not a Hallmark oh, movie. That is the episode of South Park where all the religious figures team up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, dear. Finally. Oh, no, not finally. We've got two more. Number nine, Santa Fake. DK. What was that? Santa what? Santa Fake. Santa Fake. Is it fake or is it real? Uh, I'll, I'll say yes. It's... Okay. I'll say it's a, a proper one, yeah. Okay, Adrian. I'm with DK. Okay, and Sandy? I'm also saying yes. Points for everyone. Santa Fake is, of course, a real movie. <laughs> I yeah, thought I might fake. have tricked you all because it sounds like I've made it up because it just sounds like I've given you the word Santa and the word fake. That's right. I thought yeah. you were double bluffing. Zero effort into that title. <laughs> he <laughs> has it on in his collection. And finally, number ten, baby, it's mold inside. Oh, DK. That's got to be fake, surely. That's got to be just yeah. bull. Okay, uh, Adrian. Yeah, no way is that a Hallmark movie unless they're making Jello molds, which they might be since it's Hallmark. Oh gosh. <laughs> Maybe no. it's mold inside. No. No, and Sandy. I'm going to say no too, but I'm not going to be surprised if we're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, Baby It's Mold Outside is from that same uh, parody article about what they could potentially do as Hallmark movies. <laughs> and I do remember that one was, they suggested that it was basically um, a woman's house is is falling down with black mold and she hires somebody to repair it and falls in love with him and everything. And I was like, you know what? This doesn't sound that dissimilar to every other Hallmark movie. I won't lie. So <laughs> Have you have either any of you guys seen the, uh, the the shining parody poster that they've put out this Christmas? No, no, no I haven't seen Ooh. it. Right, I'm sending it to you in case you get it and can put okay. it up. Well, then, at the end of the penultimate round, DK, you are in the lead still with 14 points. Sandy, you're not too far behind with 10 points, and Adrienne, you've well uh, built your score up with nine points, only one behind Sandy. So you have 10 questions in the final round, so it is still technically anybody's. Uh, the final round is a round that I call Everyone's a Critic, uh, and in a format that I have shamelessly stolen from Mr. Sunday Movies, I have basically accumulated from Letterboxd a series of half-star, one-star, and really low reviews 
And I'm going to read out this uh, terrible review and see if you guys can tell me what movie it's from. So again, it's probably not going to be super easy, but you can shout out your name if you think you know it at any point. If not, it's maybe worth a guess. Again, they're all Christmas movies. Uh, so is that a, you all understanding the rules? You're all happy to carry on? Yeah. I got it. Okay. So this is a review by somebody called Vuk Jr. or Vuk Jr., uh, they give this movie half a star and say, literally the worst movie I've ever seen. The ending is basically a ghost just telling him to stop being sad and he stops being sad. Uh, Adrian? Adrian? A Christmas Carol? It's not a Christmas Carol. Oh, okay. <laughs> DK? DK? It's a Wonderful Life? It is. It's a Wonderful oh. Life. It's <laughs> a Wonderful Life, half a star. <laughs> Jesus. Half a star, and then reductive, ridiculous. I mean, come on, yeah. Some of these are just silly. It's it's more just to see what some people say for humor. To be honest, at this stage, uh, number two. This is a review by Cagrion Fiar. Uh, they also give this movie half a star, and they say Santa Claus allegory, including a bourgeois Jesus bringing order to a feudal reactionary town with the blessings of a functioning market mixed with religious appropriations. The silence. <laughs> Come on, just guess a Christmas movie. <laughs> Nobody wants to embarrass themselves. <laughs> I have no idea. No? Shall I reveal it? Yes. That was somebody's half-star review of the movie Klaus. And I believe Adrienne is going to be hunting that person down any minute. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Huh. Yeah. Do not ask. Yeah, some of these are weird. Okay, we'll move on. Number three, then. Um, this is a review by Sarah McCann. Uh, they give this film half a star and say, this movie has two plots. One, horror movie, except you are not rooting for the protagonist. Two, childish gags that are extremely unfunny. Call me a Grinch, but this is my second least favorite Christmas movie of all time. DK? DK? Home Alone? It is Home Alone. Absolutely. <laughs> horror. Sarah? I have to say, Sarah, what were you watching? <laughs> anyway, uh, number four, a review by Maria. They give this one and a half stars and say, the best part is when Neil tells Charlie he's going to make a great psychiatrist someday. And Charlie is like, nah, I think I'm going to go into the family business, implying he's going to kill his dad someday to become Santa. How I love some Christmas family friendly entertainment. Sandy. Sandy? The Santa Claus? It is the Santa Claus, <laughs> yeah. I just found that one amusing. Andrew, yeah. weirdly. <laughs> uh, this is a review by Hamburgesser. They give this film half a star and say, watched during maths class, the terrorism, consumerism, and capitalism was crazy. That's Adrian. It. Adrian? Is it Scrooged? It's not Scrooged. <laughs> DK? DK? Not Die Hard again, is it? It's not Die Hard, no, sorry. Sandy, do you want to have a guess? Uh, jingle all the way. It was Jingle All The Way. <laughs> you wow. said that like you weren't expecting it to be the right answer, but it was. Uh, this is a review by Paige, who gives this movie half a star and says, if I have to hear one more white man in his mid to late 30s say that this is his favorite Christmas movie, I will commit a felony. DK. DK? This is Die Hard. That is Die Hard, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> uh, this is a review by Really Useful. A half-star review that simply says, why are his fingers so long? <laughs> Nobody? <laughs> Sandy. Sandy? Scrooged. 
It's not Scrooge. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, who would it be referring to in Scrooge? <laughs> the Ghost of Christmas Future with that big hand with the oh, long yeah, ears. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> But no, why are his fingers so long? Six maybe, six word review, half a star. Maybe it's home alone. Maybe it's home alone too. It is not home alone too. DK, uh, <laughs> any guesses? Is it the Grinch? It is the Grinch. Oh, <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit. Specifically the Ron Howard one, but I'll give you the point because come on. <laughs> uh this is a review by Katie's Moon. Uh they give this half a star and say this expletive got me feeling like i'm dying right on the spot with that choir music in the background should be a bloom and horror movie <laughs> dk dk polar express no no but you're not a million miles away <laughs> ladies either one mm -hmm. no uh that was the snowman the classic british mm -hmm. one that we all watch and adore mm -hmm. and i do not again understand what kate is moon is talking about it is a re an anonymous review uh, they give this movie two stars and say, Goodfellas, if Goodfellas were a Christmas panto. DK. DK? That's not my review of House of Gucci, is it? That is entirely your review of House of Gucci. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to see if you remember it. Yeah. <laughs> <I do. laughs> Oh my god. You mentioned Christmas so Panto. I had to do it. I was like, I wonder if I, I thought it said. sounded familiar. <laughs> Oh and God. finally, last one, and then the last for this round and for the quiz. This is a review by Carlo, who doesn't give a score, simply a heart or like, and says, if there's one thing you can count on, it's the fact that every movie that people say is bad because of MST3K is actually good. DK. DK? Is this uh, Santa Claus Conquers the Martians? It is Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. What? If anybody was going to get that, it was going to be you, DK, to be fair. <laughs> I was actually so... having fond memories of that movie earlier today. <laughs> so that concludes the quiz. So drum roll. Ooh, we're going to go in reverse order. In third place, with nine points, Adrienne. Just a, a very good score, though. Very uh, reputable. You get a towel. You get a towel. <laughs> <laughs> also getting a towel in second place with 12 points. Sandy, but running away with the top of the range VCR with 25 points. DK, our Christmas champion. Well done. Wow. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Well done. When do I get my copy of Bone Alone? <laughs> do not tempt me. If you live closer, I would just mail you a copy. You can get it at any store around here for about two pounds. It's not hard to find. <laughs> So yeah, with that out of the way, then we're going to uh, we'll cross over to the usual silver screen business and to the Scrooge review. So before we get into any of that, we've got one last seasonal look behind the scenes of the movie in question, and that is always the purview of uh, the ghost of DK. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. It sounds, like, it sounds like I've killed you or something. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of behind the scenes past, maybe DK. Over to you. Cheers, mate. Now, this was Bill Murray's first starring role since Ghostbusters in 1984. He had been living in Paris and was, at this point, seriously considering giving up acting altogether. In fact, Murray turned down the lead roles in Rain Man, Big and Cocktail to make this film. Now, filming took place in December 1987. With Christmas approaching, director Richard Donner asked if the production could have Christmas Day off. But Paramount Picture executives, as executives I want to do, refused, insisting that filming should continue over Christmas Day. So at the end of the day, on December 24th, 
Donna fired the entire cast and crew. Two days later, on December 26, he rehired everyone. That break allowed the cast and crew members to spend Christmas with their families. I love that. I've read that story and I love that. That's yeah. just we love Richard Donner even more. And he, he really does feel like, like <laughs> Yeah, he really does embody the spirit of Christmas in this. Uh, <laughs> Frank's brother, James, is played by Bill Murray's younger brother, John. Uh, his father is played by Bill's older brother, Brian Doyle Murray. And if you also uh, look closely, you can see Bill Murray's other brother, Joel, in the party scene. When Frank throws water on a waiter he thought was on fire, he apologises and claims he thought the waiter was Richard Pryor. This is a reference to the time Richard Pryor, while doing drugs, set himself on fire and ran down a busy street in LA. So, that explains that one. Now, falling on his way out of the restaurant was unscripted and a genuine accident, as evidenced by the reaction of the actor playing the waiter and Murray's feet as he falls. Apparently it was due to the stairs still being wet after splashing the waiter with water that caused Murray to lose his footing. Now in that similar vein, when Frank is startled by an actor who he thinks is the ghost of Christmas future, he elbows his secretary Grace in the face. That was also real. Bill Murray really did hit Alfred Woodard by mistake in the face. And again, on that uh, in that vein, when the ghost of Christmas present grabs Bill Murray's lip, she tore it so badly that filming was halted for several days. It was so bad that Kane would get upset at having to rough up Bill Murray in their scenes together. Now, despite Donna's uh, magnanimity regarding Christmas holidays, Bill Murray and the director reportedly did not enjoy working together, creating a lot of tension on set. When asked by film critic Roger Ebert if he had any disagreements with Donna, Murray replied, only a few, every single minute of the day. That could have been a really, really, really great movie. The script was so good, there's maybe one take in the final cut movie that is mine. We made it so fast. It was like doing a movie live. He kept telling me to do things louder, louder, louder. I think he was deaf. Anyway, Paramount announced a special edition release titled the You'll Love It Edition which was supposedly going to be released October 31st, 2006. However, for no reasons, it was recalled. And, uh, and finally, Preston tells Frank that in America there are 27 million cats and 48 million dogs and then says quite seriously that IBC needs to start giving programming towards them. As of 2015, which is the point where I got this from, there are several dog and cat specific channels on Roku that supply dedicated pet programming based on scientific studies of what interests them. Wow, life really is stranger than fiction sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Awesome. Fantastic. And uh, yeah, is that all you have for the BTS? It is, mate. Great. Well, we'll jump into the rest of the review then in that case. And uh, Okay, so uh, we're just going to break this down the same way we do any other mo- uh, movie review then. As I said, we're reviewing the movie Scrooged, which we now comes from, no, comes from 1988. And we'll break it down into little sections just to help guide us, like writing and plot direction, acting, VFX, music and sound. But again, uh, if you've been listening for the last sort of few episodes, you know that we don't stick rigidly to that. It's just really a guideline to help guide us through the review. And if the conversation goes one way or a different way, uh, we just follow the flow. So with that in mind, uh, let me just start by throwing it open the way that I usually do before we get into any of these categories and seeing uh, what are your first memories of watching the movie Scrooge? Can you remember the first time you saw it? And the kind of effect it had on you the first time you watched it. And uh, we'll stick with the order we went with on the quiz and come to you first, DK. Uh, 
I think I saw it for the first time on TV. It had been, I think it was maybe ITV uh, back when we had three, maybe four channels if we were, you know, lucky at that point. Oh, no, Channel 4, so yeah, definitely four channels. Uh, yeah, and it was ridiculously overhyped, so I remember not liking it at all when I first saw oh, it. Who yeah. overhyped it? Pretty much everybody I knew. Uh, okay. You know, anybody that I went to school with, anybody that I went to college with, they all said, oh, this is a fantastic movie, and I watched it, and yeah, it was okay, but I, I didn't see the, the hype for it, and then I watched it again and again, and again and <laughs> it, it grew on me i went out and bought the damn soundtrack and everything so yeah oh cool awesome. you're, you're a sucker for buying soundtracks aren't you <laughs> i am i am a bit of a soundtrack whore it has to be said hey, nothing wrong with that nothing wrong at all absolutely uh, so adrian can you remember the first time you saw scrooged yes yeah, somebody brought a vhs cassette tape of this to um work when there was and very on brand, I guess it was playing <laughs> somehow in the background, and I just remember glancing over and seeing scenes from it. So okay. that's the first time I saw it. And you've seen it, have you seen it all the way through now? <laughs> I presume, as I, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I have. Awesome, awesome. Can't wait to get everyone's opinion on it, but uh, yeah, Sandy, what, uh, what about you? Can you recall the first time you saw it? I don't actually remember the very first time I saw it, but it was way back then like i had mentioned before snl anything or any of the actors was always a staple in our house but i do remember that um the effect it had on me that it was the first thing i saw that was a christmas carol that wasn't a christmas carol and ever since then it actually fostered my obsession with watching anything even loosely based on a christmas <laughs> Carol, I'm just obsessed with it. Sandy, um, have you have you watched the Doctor Who Christmas special entitled "A Christmas Carol"? Um, if it's a recent one, no, probably not. No, it's not that recent. I think it's from 2011. <laughs> then I probably have watched it. Yeah, because I've probably through like 2015, I watched everything, so I probably okay. have watched it. Cool. Just because it's an adaptation of A Christmas Carol. So I thought, you know, <laughs> if you haven't, it would be a good uh, thing to jump on because I don't think it relies too much on knowing the show or anything. So, yeah, yeah recommendation for everyone out there if you wanted to I just think watch it. been the best Christmas one so far. Uh, I love Last Christmas personally. Um, I don't know why. But yeah. yeah, but this one has flying sharks in it, dude. <laughs> oh. And the late great Michael Gambon giving a heck exactly. of a performance. So, yeah. Anyway, that's off topic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fair enough. So you were watching different versions. And uh, yeah, so, so we've all basically seen this, you know, uh, presumably a while ago. It's been out since the late 80s. Uh, my story with this is a little weirder. It's one of those films that I really would love to fire whoever was in the marketing department of it. Because I used to always see it at the video store when I was like super young. And I was convinced it was a horror movie because it was always that poster or that video cover, which is like the skeleton hand lighting his cigar or something. And I just thought it looked way too creepy and was just like, ooh, is that like a horror take on thing? I don't want to watch that. That's no, no good for me because I was a wuss when I was younger. <laughs> anyway, um, and then like you, DK, when you get to a certain age, I think it was around middle school, everybody was like, oh, that's the best Christmas movie because it's a little bit subversive and a little bit more grown up and stuff. So uh, I would hear that about it from people. And it piqued my interest. And then I think it was when I started sort of becoming more aware of film and becoming more of a film nerd. And I learned that it was directed by Richard Donner, 
who is one of my favorite directors because he directed Superman the movie, which, you know, I mean, he's got a fantastic career. It also includes like Lethal Weapon and the Goonies and stuff. But all I need to know is that he directed Superman the movie. So, <laughs> so when I found that out, I was like, oh, a Richard Donner movie. Now I'm interested. So <laughs> uh, and that was the first time I saw it would have been in my late teens, I think, as I was kind of getting into these things. So I'll probably later to it than most of you. Um, yeah, saw it and absolutely loved it. Loved, as you said, the take on A Christmas Carol. Loved the humor of it, which I wasn't necessarily expecting, um, even though I should have, you know, from the cast. But I'm British. I had no idea who, other than Bill Murray, any of these people were. This was actually my introduction, uh, DK, to Carol Kane. It was the first thing I'd ever seen her in. <laughs> Do you know, I think it was it was with me. I didn't see Transylvania 65000 until years later. So, yeah. I've still never seen that. <laughs> oh, you've got to see that, man. It's Carol oh, Kane turned up to 11. I'll look it up. No, I hadn't seen Princess Bride or uh, any of these things. And yeah, this was years before she joined Star Trek, which again, tangent, don't want to go there. <laughs> but yeah, so, and I didn't know who any of these other guys were. Like I said, the the Ghost of Christmas Past, whose name I still, I know it's David something, but it's it always escapes me. Uh, and yeah, these various, I'd had, it sounds weird probably to an American audience, but I still kind of, it's still a mystery to me who Bobcat Goldthwait is and why he was famous. <laughs> What? Like, he, he never made it over here, really. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know he's famous to you guys from looking it up now and stuff, and I'm just kind of like, oh. But surely you've seen Police Academy. Yeah. That's the first oh. time you saw him in Police Academy 2. I, I, I have seen the Police Academy movies, but there they were movies that didn't really appeal, so they were just kind of on in the background making noise, sometimes literally. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, pretty much remember... that when, when they're not in the background and you're watching them. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. That's the thing. I only really remember Michael Winslow and uh, Kim Cattrall from those movies, and that's about it. But anyway, and Steve Gutenberg, I suppose, you know, give him credit where it's due. Um, but no, okay, anyway. So uh, in that case, we'll jump on to the, the writing and the plot. Uh, and the first thing is already out the way because, of course, it's basically just an adaptation of A Christmas Carol, which is no secret. I mean, the movie itself very much lampshades the fact that it is just an adaptation of that, which I think helps you to not feel quite so cynical and, and jaded about that fact, hopefully. Um, yeah, so as, as an adaptation of that story, how do you guys think it, it does, uh, you know, uh, pulling it into modern times and adapting it for perhaps a more 80s audience? Um, I'm going to switch it up. I'll come to you first, Sandy, I think, for this question. <laughs> I thought the writing was pretty good, how they adapted it, just in how, you know, hateful they made the main character in, in their way he was a different kind of scrooge and um some of the little like b plots like with um bobcat goldthwait uh mr loudermilk um <laughs> kind of going <laughs> descending through the city um that was kind of clever and then um just some of the a lot of the jokes i thought were really really funny just um like when he's walking by that Picasso type painting and he's he's taken aback he goes he references um his mother like that's a painting of his mother um just the funny gag so I I thought the writing was good um I forgot the second metric we were discussing no just really like what was it as an adaptation of a Christmas Carol uh how what oh. did you think of it and did you think it was kind of you know the, the way that it was suited for the 80s and I suppose to, I didn't really say this the first time, but to an extent, do you think that means that it's dated a lot more now that we are, I mean, what, 30-ish years removed almost from and it? It is, it is a bit dated because some of those things are so very specific, like um, 
I had to explain to my daughter how Mary Lou Retton was um, our <laughs> Simone Biles. <laughs> yeah. She didn't have, I, so she, a lot of the jokes just went over her head. Yeah. And I said the same to you, like a lot of the cameo sort of things. I really like some of them. Some of them mean absolutely nothing to me. Like I obviously I adore Lee Majors and that one gets me every time. And I'm like, I know who the $6 million man is. I'm fine with that. But then when it's going through all of the people that are in their version of Scrooge and I'm like, no idea who that is. No idea who that is. Don't, don't know who, know who that is. is. I don't have a clue. No, sorry. Should I? He's a clinger in MASH and you've, you've seen Cannonball Run. I've Surely. never seen Mash or Cannonball Run, I'm afraid. <laughs> Whoa. jeez, oh, man. Love Jamie Farr. I love Mash. I, what about Buddy Hackett? You've seen uh, Man, 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 Mad World, haven't you? Nope. Ooh, that's <laughs> a good one, seen, too, yeah. What about Herbie Rides Again? Come on, dude. Yeah, I probably have seen that. My grandparents probably would have shown me that at some point, but I don't think I would have known. Oh, I tell you what, Buddy Hackett, the name's familiar. Did he voice the seagull in The Little Mermaid? Yeah, oh, and I've got to look this up. Yeah, I think he did. I think he did, and I think yeah, that's where I, I know the name from. So, yeah, probably I do know him in that case. <laughs> <laughs> DK, if this is news to you, then I've actually given you a fact that I'm quite proud of myself. <laughs> yeah, hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm looking it up. Oh, you, you look it up. I'm I'm 99% certain I'm right on this one. <laughs> it is, yeah. it is. It's Skull. Yeah, thought so. <laughs> Better job than Aquafina, anyway, let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> excuse me no that's cool and no but i mean a lot of them are probably more american famous than english famous and i think that ties into the idea that this is very much for me it's it's 80s in the regard that it's a christmas carol but specifically targeted at like corporations and consumerism and the yeah. the, the increasing you know influence of the media in a the slightly violence. you know a slightly pre-Fox News kind of world, it almost predicts, you know, the, the, the dangerous decline that the media would take in the next few decades. Um, yeah, so it, is, it is to me. relevant. Yeah, very prescient. So it is to me a very American-focused uh, kind of film. Not, not to say it isn't, you know, it, it doesn't have themes that aren't timeless and it's, it's not, like, enjoyable for everyone. But for me, I think that, that gives it a, a very American sheen to the overall thing for me. Uh, would you guys say the same or...? Well, obviously, you guys who are American probably would, the two ladies, but yeah. Uh, what about you then, DK? Yeah, I, I I agree with that. Although, interesting aside, it wasn't supposed to be Lee Majors in oh, that opening okay. promo. He did actually approach Chuck Norris. Oh, Chuck yeah, I read that somewhere, yeah. Yeah, he was filming something, <laughs> so he couldn't do it. So, uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I, the, uh, the IBC promos, especially uh, Frank's you know, redone Scrooge promo. I just think it's it's so much like modern TV these days, which mm. their, their first intent is to scare the bejesus out of you so you can pretty much stick to what they say, follow Absolutely. their own narrative. And... It's like clickbait. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's actually a good, very good point. Well, I didn't note down, but yeah, that's actually hit the nail completely on the head. It is. It's the first instance of trying clickbait completely. Yeah. And back then, you know, it was a parody. Now it's... Yeah. Pretty much the uh, the yeah, way. Now I'm sure I actually did see a Fox News advert that was just this international terrorism, freeway killers, other religions and races. Boo! <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. <coughs> I would say we've lost any of our right wing audience members, but as if we have any. <laughs> I think that ship sailed quite a while ago, mate. <laughs> that woke review channel, anyway. But no, it is. It's it's just whatever you think. I mean, you can't deny that there's an increase in propaganda on TV these days that there kind of wasn't as 
obviously in the 80s as I think it's weird to say that it it was kind of the birth of TV as a huge thing, but I think it was, even though TV was invented in like the fifties or whatever, because I don't think it's until the eighties that you get to the point where there's literally a TV in every home. And again, I think that's one of the things that this is commenting on um, that, you know, it's in everybody's home and it can, it, it, it's a dangerous thing if misused perhaps. Well, um, the eighties were when, you know, MTV debuted and it hmm. became an even bigger thing at that point. That's yeah, and I mean, view, not that it's necessarily relevant on a sort of you know a specific level, but it's also, as you probably know, DK, it's it's the kind of the age of the video nasties and all the films that got banned in this country. That you know we we were our fragile little minds were not able to watch things like Evil Dead and stuff because they were just fully banned as like no, there's no merit to this. It's uh, just a video nasty and will cause you to be a violent criminal or whatever. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, what about you, Adrian? We haven't heard from you. How do you feel as as the this kind of adaptation of a Christmas Carol? What do you think works and doesn't? Maybe. Well, I I like how they used actual lines from mm. the original uh, Dickens tale. I, I loved it when they when they had those lines. I you know I don't like the workplace violence. I don't like the sexualization mm. of it. However, I know that it was supposed to be a a kind of raunchy kind of shocking yeah, thing, it gets away with so. it by saying it's a parody but again it's it's yeah. there is a little bit of like protesting you're a parody to get away with it which mm -hmm. i can see certainly where you're coming from is like mm, yeah okay yeah but i i still always watch it i mean i still really like oh, yeah. the movie but it's just it's dated and i know they wouldn't make it the same now but you know no. there's so many good parts of it that you just kind of have to look at when it was made who made it what was happening in society at the time and the fact that they wanted to be kind of risque. Yeah. yeah. I will say as much as I kind of detest some of the like sexism and stuff, I still burst out laughing possibly more than any other joke in the movie at, uh, see, you can barely see the nipples and these guys are really looking. <laughs> like, right. I don't know why that's funny to me, but it always makes me laugh. Yeah, anyway. Funny part for me is uh, that's the worst part of the movie for me. Isn't that funny? Like I can't, really? oh. I can't abide it. <laughs> It's, I, don't I, know. I have far worse. I, I my least favorite part, if I'm looking for it, is that I think to kind of leapfrog off Sandy's point, I think they do make uh, Frank a little bit too unlikable in a way that Ebenezer Scrooge kind of wasn't. So when he's like gloating about the death of the old lady, is like, "This is fantastic! Let's run it all the time!" And yeah. I'm like, "Ooh, that's that's a step too far. Come on!" Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. There were we a need... lot, lots of two, things that went too far for me. It's, but but now yeah. it's not back then. Probably when it yeah. would have first come out, I was much younger. But now I'm older and wiser, and there's a lot of things that bug me. But I still love it. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, I love some of the subtle things they do to make him extra terrible. Like, I think it's very subtle, but I think it's very intentional when he's walking into the building after he gets his award and he puts mm. his hands flat on the glass, leaving his fingerprints all over mm. the glass. Of course. Yeah. And even just the moment where the camera tracks and shows you that he's just left the award in the cab, just doesn't yeah. care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not interested. Yeah. <laughs> Um, angry, angry narcissist. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. But I mean, it, it it does, you know, it does kind of try to, I, I don't want to say justify, but explain that in exactly the same way as the original story by saying that it was because he, you know, he grew up where Christmas wasn't a sort of a happy time. And then he mm -hmm. got with the, uh, the love of his life almost and, and lost her at Christmas mm -hmm. time as well. Mm -hmm. And I really like how cleverly that 
sort of that Dickens plotline is adapted for this modern time and the way it feeds into his like want to ascend the uh, the media corporate ladder I guess as opposed to like with Scrooge it was business and money lending and whatnot and with this guy it's like I can't go uh, the president of the networks here and I've got to do this demeaning uh you know uh, mascot dog job thing to get on tv and it's like oh, okay I like how you've adapted that into the, this version um because again it it, it I, obviously it wouldn't have worked for multiple reasons to just straight up do the I want to be a moneylender kind of thing in the 80s. Not that there weren't any around, but I don't think it would have been as a, as kind of accepted. Um, so, yeah. Uh, any other thoughts about that from any of you? Um, I did also actually like um, how they worked Tiny Tim in this, into the story. Yes. And yes. Yeah. I, I, I remember thinking the first time I saw this and sometimes even since, when it first happens, I'm kind of like, well, this is just a clear Tiny Tim stand-in, and they're not even... But by the end of the film, when you actually care enough about the, the kid, when he actually does say that line, it, it warms my heart so much, even though it's just like... It should be groan-inducing, but for whatever reason, it's just at such a point in the film that you're like, oh, yay, he spoke! <laughs> if you know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. He, he hears those words at two important parts of the movie. You know, he hears them at the beginning, when his family is having a happy moment and they're wrestling on the floor, he looks at the TV, Calvin, and he hears that and he nods along yeah. with, with the, the Tiny Tim from the 1950s version, I guess. And oh, then after um, Mary Lou Retton does her flip, he he's looking right at her when she says, God bless us, everyone. He's looking right at her and his eyes get big like, ooh. That one I noticed. I didn't notice the first one. I won't lie, but I definitely noticed the. Uh, I always just assumed it was the sort of he sees Mary Lou Retton's version of, of Tiny Tim say it. So no, that's it, it's I, as you say. It is. It sets it up so it doesn't come from nowhere as well, which is a clever, you know, it, it works out something that you're very familiar with into something mm -hmm. newer and and more mm -hmm. appropriate. So yeah. that's cool. Cool. Um, Let's see. I've got loads of notes and they're all a bit all over the place, but I'll just jump into asking. So obviously, being a version of A Christmas Carol, we kind of have to talk about the four ghosts. Yes, there are four because there's always a Marley that announces the ghosts coming. So how do you think this film handled those in particular? Uh, Diki, I want to hear from you first on this one. I don't know why. <laughs> I really like the way that they've, uh, they incorporate the ghosts into this one. And... Yeah. I do like uh, John Forsyth as the uh, the Marley character. Is it? As Lou, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I think he's done really well. And it's really weird that, because growing up, uh, the only character that I ever associated Forsyth with was the dude from Dynasty, I believe it was. So <laughs> it was exactly. it was a kick to see him yep. in an actual film mm -hmm. and think, oh, the, you know, he's an actual actor. He's not just some soap opera douche, you yep. know? I have the, that exact thing in my notes. I'm like, I've only ever seen him being all Carradine or something, right? Fancy or something, you know, like in charge and always so powerful. And for him to get this opportunity to play this character that is ugly and falling apart and there's a mouse coming out of his head, you know, like just so good. Yeah. I, I feel like he really ate it up. Yeah, I think that's a really good scene. Yeah. And I, and I yeah. know Carol Kane gets 
you know, all the praise. And obviously she should because she's fantastic in this. Yeah. But I do like, I, I forget his name. I am so sorry. Even though I've got a picture of him as my avatar, I do David like something. Guys. I'm going to look it up because it bugs me. I always David Johansson. David Johansson. Right. How do we forget Johansson? From, anyway. That singer from the New York Dolls, yeah. I I I love that character. I think he's really good. That bit where they're watching uh, the kids' TV show recording and he's shouting out, "It's a bone!" I just think I, I love it. I just love that character. I have to say that's actually to me as well a genius bit of casting because he has such a unique look. Um, without wanting to border on the kind of offensive, he looks. I don't know. There's something about him that looks almost otherworldly. So casting him as a ghost, you can see that they've given him like minimal makeup or not done anything particular because he's got like the presence that is some kind of weird, not not quite the average or whatever you want to say. He's got quite is, a set know? of choppers. Yeah, yeah, and he's got like almost a gaunt look, but not like as if he's unhealthy. It's just like his bone structure, I guess. Is the you know not that it's unattractive or anything. It's just very like oh, okay, that was. Yeah. For me, I can see how you why you've cast this guy and why you've done this. And, and don't yeah. they give him pointed ears too, kind of elongating him? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. True. And That's I also kind of like the way that they turned it on it on its head because in most adaptations, of the Christmas Carol, the, the the Ghost of Christmas Past is played by a female actor. The Christmas yeah. Present, uh, you know, as in the version with Woodward and stuff like that, it's a male actor. Just say them up. Like... That's the only thing we remember. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I do love how they uh, they switch that around. And, and I know it's not really an acting thing. It's more of a, an effects thing. But when it came to the Ghost of Christmas Future, mm. I loved the uh, the imagery on the screen that they use for its face. Oh, yes. I've made I a point of that when we do talk about the effects. I love that scene. And I love that Donna uses it or whoever, maybe it's in the script, that they use it as a throwaway. That's not even the moment that he actually, you know, that he goes to the, the future and it actually gets him. It's like it's you're distracted because that's when Elliot bursts in and... It's not even yet yeah, a ghost. He doesn't even see it happen. It's just for the audience. I love that scene. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just go over from you there. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. I mean, we could get into that a little bit later or we can talk about it now. I love all of the effects on the ghosts. I mean, as you say, there's minimal on David Johansson and Carol Kane. It's kind of just powdered, you know, <laughs> white faces or, or like you said, a little pointy ears and little bits and pieces but there's very few but as you said the prosthetics that they use and the effects that they use for lou i've always been astounded by it is it is just a fantastic and i feel for john forsyth because that must have been a nightmare to wear especially oh, if you're not really used to that kind of acting that's got to have been i mean come on that's, it looks uncomfortable <laughs> yeah when he talks though he doesn't speak stiffly i no. really would like to know more about how they did do that I think, yeah, that's kind of a choice because, like I said, I, I think that there's a lot of times that this movie is a little bit too close to the bone. And that's one of them would have been like if that character was portrayed more kind of zombie-like or more ghost-like or whatever, it would have been a little bit too frightening or a little bit too bizarre. But the fact that it is just, it's a stereotypical corporate yuppie who just happens to look like that and sounds exactly like he would otherwise, you know, even down to the whole, you know, he died playing golf and stuff like that, you know, it's uh, yeah. And, but that scene where he's holding Frank over the city and his arm is gradually crumbling is one of the best scenes. I think it's amazing. Again, just the direction in that scene is breathtaking for me. <laughs> wasn't, it, wasn't it nominated for best makeup? Was it? I would like not be surprised. Probably. I think it was. I, I read a whole bunch about the movie um, 
And I just feel like I remember that it was nominated for Best Makeup. I could believe it. I'll have a quick Makes look. Makes sense, like yeah. To, well, I think yeah. yeah, Best Makeup yeah. and Hairstyling. Oh, again, yeah. figures. Okay. It was it was the wig that he wore. <laughs> yeah. It lost to Beetlejuice, apparently. Oh, that's fair, to be honest, isn't it, really? Mm. <laughs> Some of the effects in that movie are pretty incredible when they're stretching their face and stuff. Again, off topic. But, um, yeah. And to, to kind of to that, I, I know it's off, you know, it's off where we went, but we're going on the tangent of talking about this thing now, kind of makeup and prosthetics and things. It's amazing how, with so little, they completely transform Karen Allen in that, like, vision of her in the future when she's the, oh, the I hate that scene. so do i it's so because <laughs> she that that's just not her they turn her into mean a cruella Deville. exactly you know I mean? it's so against type they could have I done know. without that scene i think there's there is nothing on earth let alone uh frank's death that would turn her that way i just think that's in is it it just <sighs> reminds me of a bloody eurythmics music video for no reason whatsoever <laughs> there's a band called the bloody eurythmics wow cool <laughs> well just the eurythmics <laughs> and, uh yeah controversially i really like that scene because yeah, i always that scene yeah i i don't read it that way at all and it's not about frank's death it's about like because he didn't have the influence or whatever her life went downhill and she he basically prompted her as she kind of says with the whole scrape him off thing he put into her mind instead of being good or whatever this idea of like you know things are crap so just you know that, that you may as well lean into it kind of thing i can't and, see that happening i couldn't I, yeah. I honestly just couldn't i mean when, when at the point in the movie where he actually says that to her unless yeah. she's had one hell of a bad couple of years i cannot see oh. that turning someone into the character that the vision shows see i don't necessarily read it as being a vision of this is an actual like alternate timeline type future i see it as like this is the kind of thing your actions could do and you saying that you know into other someone else or in another circumstance could lead to this because it was showing him it's all about him basically it's framed around him so it's like imagine if you say that and she took you at your word and then became this kind of thing as opposed to like oh she was heading down this path and you pushed her or whatever but Again, I suppose you could read it a thousand ways, but I just kind of like it in the regard that for him, he kind of sees his own cynicism and his own sort of sense of the, the world reflected back at him and doesn't like it. And there's no other scene that really does that for me, except maybe occasionally in the things with, um, you know, Lionel out of Smallville, uh, where he doesn't like the yuppieism of him. Um, but yeah. even then, it kind of doesn't play that for, oh, I dislike this guy because he's me reflected. It's more just like, this guy's a jerk because he's a you know he wants my job or whatever else. So it, anyway, it goes back to what you guys were saying earlier about sometimes Bill Murray is a bit too unlikable. But in this, I think yeah. occasionally the film has too jaded a view, too cynical, and mm. I think that's why I'm not necessarily totally on board with it. Sometimes mm. I think it does yeah. go a bit too far in not just with Frank's character though, in in those around him. In what way? I'd love to hear examples if you can. If well, you can. I said that, to put... <laughs> you know, as I said, that 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 thing with with Karen Allen, uh, I just I don't. I think you could have done without that scene, and it it would have still worked. I think, obviously, when you get to people like uh, Louder Milk and stuff like that, you can understand mm. the pressure he's under. But I think you know, I lost my job, and you know, 
but then mm. they have to pour it on with. His wife left me and took my little baby girl. Yeah, I I got to be honest, I don't like any of the Bob Quack Goldsmith runner. It's obviously there as a kind of comedy bit, but like Adrienne, it kind of it feeds into things that I don't like in the movie, the workplace violence, and like you said, the just sheer ridiculousness because. Again, it's it's complaining about corporate culture and consumerism, and then it thinks that you can solve the problem of losing your wife and your kid by going, hey, I'm going to hire you back and give you a job in an office. And I'm like, huh, mixed messages a little bit. <laughs> well, it's um, not just that. They, they kind of play it. They, they play his whole situation for laughs, and I don't exactly, think yeah. that, that quite works. No, and it, there's nothing funny about somebody coming and shooting up a you know a workplace or whatever else, which again is probably the first thing I think that if you were remaking this film they would get rid of. I Although think I will... one of the the underlying things like Bobcat Goldthwait's whole shtick is going from calm to eleven, hmm. and so they had to do that into the movie for him to do what it is he always does, which is the screaming thing. There were other ways you could have done that, though. I mean, you could have even had him attack Frank in other ways than, you know, coming in with a shotgun, blasting the, the office up, which just isn't. It's very uncomfortable. And I don't know. I mean, even if he'd sort of challenge him to a fist fight or whatever, because it's not like Frank is a particularly, uh, you know, Good a shot. guy who could handle himself. So it, it's not like he would be, even if he was just like, oh, I'm challenging you to fisticuffs, I can still imagine this weaselly kind of, Bill Murray character being like, oh, no, I'm just going to run away rather than try to fight you kind of thing. So, yeah, anyway. It didn't hear <laughs> so, so weird because it didn't even, it, it, knowing what we're dealing with today with the violence, it just didn't even trigger that in me at all. And probably because he's so inept with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just didn't even, it, it didn't even occur to me, honestly. Yeah, and I mean, it's it was a very different time and it was the kind of time, I mean, it even does the thing in the movie where, it talk, he does the like um, Elmer Fudd impression. I'm hunting wabbits with the shotgun. And yeah, I mean, it's kind of weird to think he, we all grew up watching that on TV in kids' cartoons and thought nothing of it. <laughs> and yet you look down and like, that's kind of horrifying, really, isn't it? I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, anyway. <laughs> again, with a different discussion, perhaps for a different time. And again, it's, it's perhaps more to do with culture around us feeding into our perceptions than the actual media itself. So it's not fair to judge it on that <laughs> regard. But again, I don't think it would be in any remake. And again, no, I just wanted I to say, so. do not remake this film. Yeah. <laughs> I read somewhere that they were going to remake it with Kevin Hart in the Bill Murray role. And oh, no, no, just stop. Just do not. It's yeah. not going to work. When a remake is touted, it's either Dwayne Johnson, Chris yep. Pratt, or Kevin Hart. I don't get it. No. Yeah. I just, I, it, it, to me, it wouldn't work. This, it's very specifically a, a, an attack on very 80s things that mm -hmm. I don't know that you could update it because, well, you probably could, but not in a way that they'd be prepared to because 90% of the people on like Twitter or whatever it's called this week would just accuse you of being woke or whatever and try to boycott your film. So, but anyway. Um, One thing I think they were trying to do with this movie is make it very dark New York reality about how things are and what a little bit of kindness can bring. Mm. And then when they were doing those dark scenes, like with Calvin in the padded room, and yeah, with, that, uh, that was that was to me the uh, a bit too far, by the way, Diki, when you're saying you didn't like the um, the Karen Allen thing. Sorry to interrupt, Adrian, but for me that was the one that went a bit too far because it was just kind of like nothing's. He's still just muted. Nothing else has changed, and it's kind of borderline offensive that it's just like well, chuck him in the loony bin then, and like what? Well, <laughs> I mean, I could that I don't have a problem with, but 
it's weirdly enough, but going bringing bringing the kid up, going back where the, his uh, his relatives are using them as a Christmas tree. Everybody mm. comes across as a bit of a kid in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his his siblings do, but I think that's again that's kind of siblings. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I feel like what they were. What the directors or writers were, I know there was lots of changes. They had changed the script a million times. But what I feel like they were showing Frank was that love, without love, these things could happen. And it could be your love that changes these people. Like Karen Allen, the scene where she's like Corella DeVille, um, you know, I saw it all those times on VHS and I never saw the tear until I was just right now watching it like up close in the HD and her acting when she turns around and says, thanks a lot, Lumpy. And she turns her face back around. She has that smile, but she's crying. I never noticed that. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's great acting. She is just devastating. Oh, she's a fantastic actress. I, yeah, I, she is. She's great. I lament every time we talk about one of her movies that I do not understand how she does not have a much better career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Two Indiana Jones movies and, and a bit. And this yeah. that I've seen her in and in every one of it, she knocks it completely out of the park. I'm like, yeah, how is does. this woman not working all the time? Mm-hmm, you know? Right, right. Well, I feel like, the, you know how uh, Frank was walking in that, that hallway that's kind of tilted and skewed that messes up mm, your I senses yeah, yeah. so so and he and he that's where he sees um calvin and he's walking back and he's kind of mm. like you know he's starting to realize that he he can change some of these things that's when he says the thing about the um, pe- pediatrician and all this stuff you know i i feel like the scenes were intentionally horrible that they would be yeah. in modern day you know, in the in the original, you know, Tiny Tim dies, and um, yeah. and can we say oh, yeah, what it's... can we do to help? And it's all about what Frank can do. And I feel like he's saying, well, these are things I can change. And look what you know how she became, and look how, how Tiny Tim, or or how Calvin is in this room, and and like just soul wrenching things that that you know Frank needs to see because he's been so horrible. Basically, yeah. these are people that was kind of you touched yeah, that was kind of what life. I was what I was saying to DK about that scene is that I don't read it as literal because it is so clearly like a fake nightmare, you know, vision of, of the world. It's, it's not supposed to be, and this is what will happen kind of thing. It's more like showing him a twisted nightmare of, of what he is. He could affect and what could happen, but I always find it weird. And I'll bring this up now that um, they don't do the thing that they do with Scrooge in the, the proper the original story, whatever you want to call it, whereby he sees like how detested he became when he died. It's always kind of stuck out to me that his family are there and genuinely mourning him at his funeral. And instead they have to play it as this nightmare of like, he's getting burned alive kind of thing. I'm like, huh, that was a weird choice. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I get it. Cause it kind of has to keep, uh, I can't remember his brother's name um, in reality or the, the film, but it has to keep them wholesome and have his brother still be like, no, no, whatever you say, he's always going to be welcome here and he'll be invited and whatever. Um, best brother in the world and all that. But it's just, it seems like a weird choice at that moment. Uh, also telling that it was only, there was only two people there. So it was really the only two people who cared about his passing. Oh, that's a point that I hadn't considered actually. That's just, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, okay, true. <laughs> Let's put that into context a little bit better for me, I suppose. But yeah, I never really liked that. I, mean, I just don't like seeing scenes of people on fire, so I don't I don't love that scene because it's a little bit, again, 
too nightmarish. Or even yeah, it doesn't really relate to anything. It's not like your your actions could change this because it's it's not about anything other than let's have a scary moment. <laughs> yeah. They do the same earlier in the um, restaurant when he's seeing the weird visions before the first ghost comes as well. And there's like that clearly stunt man doing the kind of set on fire thing that I was like, did we need this? It's a little bit far, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, anyway. I did like how they messed with him though and made him look oh, so part. crazy to everyone. The little bits and pieces I think work really well. I think it works effectively enough, like seeing the eyeball as an ice cube or Oliver or whatever in the drink, and then you know just seeing the guy's arm maybe being on fire and everyone else just acting like, "What's no? You don't want that." What's that was going definitely on? a better part. Are you him? Are you he? Yeah, that was funny. I love that. <laughs> and I don't I know where from, but that yeah. was a vision as well. I really don't think he said that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where I know him from, but I know I recognize that actor who plays the... Yeah. Uh, He's the so great. Oh, right, from Bill and Ted. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I, I, as much as we've criticized it from going through too far sometimes, I think there are moments as well, though, where it goes far, but you get away with it because it's funny. And in moments like the Christmas list, for example, when he's like, everybody, you know, towel, towel for all of these people. And then the president of the network, VCR, top of the range kind of thing. Or even like, it's so cruel and we shouldn't laugh at it. But I do find it kind of amusing when Grace is like, what about uh, what about me? Oh, towel. What about my Christmas bonus? No, towel and a washcloth. <laughs> it's kind of like, it's, yeah. it's the nature no of it. It's shame. like, it makes you trouble. Yeah, no shame in his... <laughs> cruelness and i do like her response she just couldn't care less oh she gets angry but she's seeing it she's not doing anything about it she's just like oh and the <laughs> next person on the list and the next and you can see she's annoyed but she wouldn't say anything to her boss or whatever else but now, it's so, almost yeah, like, like she knows that he's still in there hmm yeah i guess i always saw it more as like she'd be terrified to lose a job to be honest but yeah <laughs> <laughs> because after that, of... when when the boss does come in and and she's, um, you know, she's still helpful to him. He's she's straightening out his jacket, making sure he looks good. Then when he's touting off the, all these numbers, we spent four billion on pet, pet food, and he looks over her like four billion. Is that true? She's like, I don't know. Just their looks <laughs> that they give each other that they have a really good working relationship. Mm -hmm. It's like she almost doesn't believe that he is this callous or cruel, or maybe she knows why it's there but she treats him far too well far too well for how he mm. is i think that's more just her as a character to be honest though because she's clearly not she, she she's kind of almost got no flaws like she's caring for her entire family and she, even including calvin who you know has this this issue where he can't or won't talk and she's also caring mm -hmm. for frank and she never really like even when it's ri completely ridiculous like he's ripped apart this picture and she's like i need to go i've got a hospital appointment and he's like no you're staying late and like she protests but she still does it and i'm just kind of like yeah she's she's putting up with way too much infinite patience yeah yeah mm -hmm. exactly uh, yeah bob cratchit had that infinite patience True. you know he True. had it he took it and that's just i think what they're doing with her a modern version of it but in the end she sent the brother the vcr <laughs> yeah, I like that little bit of subversion. It was kind of cool. And I will say there were moments where, not that she kind of snaps or whatever, but there's moments where, again, it kind of makes me chuckle, even though it's a sad thing. Like when they're saying, oh, mom, when are we going to get a real Christmas tree? When they free. <laughs> just kind of like, yeah, we've all been there. <laughs> It's but funny. Again, I, like, oh. I kept getting reminded of Lily in First Contact when she had. I know, right? It's did you water. too? Absolutely. Yeah, I totally yeah, did. I'm like, yeah. oh, eight years apart. <laughs> like awesome. I said, what, watching this film 
you know, later on in life after, because the first time I saw it, I wouldn't have known or I wouldn't have had the context. But then when I went back and watched it recently, yes, a couple of years ago for the first time in a while, I was like, this is, it's mad. This has like Lily from First Contact, Lionel Luther from Smallville. Mm. Obviously, you'd got Bill Murray in there. Yeah. It's just a cast of absolute, and then Lee May just popping up for a cameo at the start, you know? Kind of yeah. like, this is so weird. Yeah, <laughs> anyway. and lots of lots of, and I love all the cameos. Yeah, Lo lots of stars, you know. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I was gonna. What was I gonna say? Oh, uh, the other thing I was gonna ask about is how do you guys feel about the? I, I feel bad bringing it up in case you're you're not a fan and feels like I'm kind of piling on the film. But how do you feel about this runner about the uh, the TV uh, censor who basically just keeps on taking more and more physical abuse? Which is a that actually weird. just didn't work for me after the first initial bonk on the yeah. head and and then i understand but yeah the the ongoing gag with it didn't work so much yeah, yeah I, I feel the same yeah. and i feel like the end part of her in the movie she'd really that character or what not the character herself but what's done to that character by the end of the movie had really outstayed its welcome and then like i said it gets really uncomfortable when it does that whole like oh it's the woman that you wouldn't go with but she's got you tied up so she's gonna do it and it's like i, I hate that trope in the 80s movies of like oh you can't avoid it because she's you're tied up and she can't you can't stop her kind of thing oh god yeah <laughs> it's so uncomfortable <laughs> for me <laughs> You don't need that at all. It was just for the sexualization of the woman's nipples yeah. and everything else. And, and to have, you know, the gag of her getting, you know, hit, something dropped on her and another thing rolled over her, whatever, you know, come on. It's just a bit too cruel after, like Sandy says, the first kind of time, maybe, like when she's been injured and then it comes back a second time and it's one callback, it's kind of like chuckle worthy. But then by mm -hmm. the end of it, you're just like... This is too cruel. It's it's not funny yeah. anymore. You know? And I guess they were trying to make her character grow in some weird way because at first she's all proper and then she says shit. When, excuse me. When something gets dropped on or she gets hit and then she says it again and again. And then by the end, she's this wild, crazy lady and she's going to go for her man. And it's just like, yeah. this is so awkward. Uh, yeah, definitely. DK, you have been very quiet. How do you feel about this? It it never really made an impact one way or the other. Yeah. I it's yes, it is cruel, but I found that vibe running through this entire movie that it yeah, can be needlessly cruel sometimes. Yeah, and I don't think it's I don't think it's intentional. I think it's trying. It's aiming for humor, and again, it probably would have been at the time. I mean, there's probably people even listening now that would be like, ah, oh, you know, grow up or stop being such a prude or whatever else because you know, different sensitivities for different people and. Yeah, like I said, sometimes even things that I find funny, Adrienne might not, like I mentioned yeah. with the whole nipples gag, and it's like, it's personal taste with all comedy. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it's, for me, it, it's the intention that matters, and I don't think it's intended to be cruel. I think it's intended to be funny. Um, right, but it's intended you know. to be funny for the guys, and they're yeah. all staring. But, and also, she's the only gold, uh, solid gold dancer of color. Why do they have mm. her cast that she's showing part of her private areas, you know? Uh, so yeah, any other, I'm going to quickly skip ahead because we're taking far too long with this. Any other thoughts on the writing or whatever that I haven't touched upon? Mm -hmm. Oh shit, we're still on the writing? I know. <laughs> Tell me about it. So yeah, no, I, I will say quickly, I love the, uh, the fake out of the Ghost of Christmas Future as well. Always makes me laugh and I think it's so clever that they've, you know, they've, lampshaded that they are just adapting a Christmas Carol so he thinks it's the ghost of Christmas future coming for him in reality and it's actually the one from the 
the play that he's putting on for TV. And yeah. it's just, it always makes me laugh. He's like down on his knees. Oh my God, take us. And then the guy's like, oh, what's, what's going on with this guy, Bryce? What's, what's happening? <laughs> kind of, In the elevator, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, moving quickly on then, we'll move to the direction. Uh, and so I don't have as many notes for this, but do you guys have any thoughts on uh, like specific things that stand out for that? Not really. I wonder. Yeah, I think all the good th things that were happening in the background were good because this movie did have a lot of background stuff, the parties in the background or the action on set in the background. Bill Murray, I think, was just very Bill Murray-ish, although I did wonder how many things were ad-libbed and if there was a lot of ad-libbing on this film. Don't, don't <laughs> observe, he says, you don't direct Billy, you pull him back. Yeah, which so I can believe. You give him a platform, make him as comfortable as possible, and he comes at you from every direction. And I, as much as I like Bill Murray, I do think he goes a little OTT for me on this one. I agree. I think that, yeah. And I, I feel for Richard Donner because, as I said, if you're trying to pull him back and he's going too far, it, it can't have been easy. And you have to eventually just, you're on a, a railroad heading towards that fantastic last scene, which, uh, you know, it, for me, that's what makes the movie. But you kind of have to keep the character intact enough to get him there, if you know what I mean. And uh, I will say, though, that the idea, the improvisation, even though it doesn't work for us now, of uh, Bill Murray improvising, talking to the people in the, the theatre. Like, let's hear from the men, let's hear from the women. Apparently that was his idea, and I kind of like it, but again, doesn't work when you're not watching it in a cinema. So it was a very specific moment that that would have been relevant. And I kind of wish they'd done what they did on some other films, like Gremlins 2 and stuff, and they'd adapted it for, like, home video into a new thing, like, uh, oh, do you enjoy the movie watching on the couch there or whatever, or, or something, because it just jars that it's it's not relevant to you. <laughs> anyway, again, that's neither the end of it. Um, so yeah, uh, any thoughts from you, DK, about the direction? Uh, I mean, it's Donna. You know what you're going to get with yeah. Donna. Although for some reason, and uh, I'd always got into my head until this uh, this viewing that it was Ivan Reitman for some reason. I don't know where huh. that came from, but yeah, it's there's some really good direction. I love that opening scene where they uh, for the uh, the night the reindeer died promo when it comes in after the credits and you're flying over the I North love that. Pole. Yeah, that's I, I've written down. That's basically the Superman above the clouds. It <laughs> is because it's it done. Works, and, you know, if yeah. it's not broke, no need to fix it. Yeah, I love. That I do one. think there's some really good direction on this. As uh, I, 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 I'm not sure if it was Adrian or Sandy earlier who mentioned the uh, the big hand of death coming out behind him. Yeah. And I, I was going to shout out to Adrienne that I know you specifically mentioned the scenes which I've written where everything goes Dutch angles and everything's a little bit off and the, you know, the hallways and everything are closing in and it's it's fantastic the way that's quite surreal and cool. Um, yeah, and there's lots of uh, kind of uh, unsteady cams, as it were, when yeah. he's freaking out and then all of a sudden the camera is normal when he has come like trying to get his bearings again and he realizes okay i have to act normal right now because i'm back on the set <laughs> okay absolutely yeah and i mean kind of related to that but a more subtle version because it's earlier in the film the way that it gets as we've already mentioned the way it gets kind of trippy when he knows that the first ghost is due and then you start seeing like the eyeball and the person on fire and everything gets really weird i was like this is actually really very very well done because again it can't have been easy for the actors that have to keep a straight face and act like there's nothing happening and yet that scene is fully believable that they're all, you know, he's screaming at the top of his life. Ah, go, what's that? And they're all just looking at him like, what? what? 
<laughs> or even like you said, the way that the waiter delivers the no, it am I he <laughs> or whatever, you know. Um, yeah. Uh, what else was I going to say online then? I love the way that uh, Lou enters the the office by like an explosive blowing apart a wall, even though it's clearly just like eighties action movie stuff and has no purpose. It's just really cool to me. Um, Again, I've mentioned I love the scene of being held out of the window. For me, I've always liked that scene. It's just, it works. And I feel genuinely terrified for a second there when he's hanging above the uh, the city and about to drop. Um, yeah, I think that that's literally all I've got on the direction. So that was quick. <laughs> a lot quicker than the writing anyway. So yeah, any thoughts from the rest of you guys about anything? I'll just say I loved the transitions. Um mm going from how he goes from unreality to to reality and how everybody plays along with him and i i think that one of the characters that is kind of uh unsung for this movie is john glover playing bryce uh yeah. he's a good kind man and he actually cares about frank at first well, first time i saw it i thought well that guy's smart because he always plays a bad guy but he really <laughs> cares like you can see him like he cares about the staff and he cares and i really like that about oh, him. No, I, 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 that I don't agree with you there i don't think he does care about him i think he is specifically the smarmy yuppie that's after his job. I, mean, I don't think you can watch the scene where he's like, oh, I'm sorry, Frank, did you want to call it? Everybody come back, Frank wants to call you for lunch and think that he cares about him. He's deliberately undermining him. <laughs> I think that he's actually kind of an, a nice, good person brought into this, but he knows he ha that Frank is having a breakdown. And at that point, he's trying to bring him back to reality and saying, hey, um, is that the really what you want to do? On. Yeah, I, that's how I kind of feel about him. I think I actually think he's a nice person in this film. Maybe I'm just uh, yeah, twisted. I feel like he's fully quoted <laughs> as a villain because even at the end, like the really uncomfortable stuff I don't like is very much like the villain got his comeuppance, you know, kind of thing. So I, I don't think he's quoted as a good guy at all. I think he is specifically supposed to be the the antagonist to to Bill Murray's character. But again, hmm, maybe it depends how you read it. I guess. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What about you two, DK and uh, Sandy? How do you feel about that? I'm a jaded misanthrope, so I see him as a villain. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. Sandy, are you with us? Yeah, I also thought he was a villain. I think it just speaks to you as a person. You just so genuinely see the best in everyone. Yeah, you see the good in everyone. I feel like they did kind of give him, I mean, I've watched it enough recently that I think they did give him a little kindness, like he's kind to the staff, Whereas Bill Murray's That's character true. is horrible. Like, I think maybe he doesn't care about Bill Murray as much, but I guess what I mean is he seems like he's a caring, more of a caring director than yeah. Bill Murray is able to do. Like, he's, he cares about the folks. Like, he pats people on the back and he's trying to be kind. But that's yeah, just me. It's, yeah. it's one of those things, I think, though, that the 80s was very cynical like that. So it's kind of like, ooh, this guy's a better boss than me and I don't like it because you have to be a bit, you know. A bit of a hard ass at times, and this guy isn't, so I'm, he's clearly bad, kind of thing, which is completely wrong. And we don't look at it that way now, but I think at the time it was kind of like, hmm, or, <laughs> or even maybe, like I said, he's way. just undermining it. Yeah, yeah, it was his way of undermining, is his way of getting everybody on board with him by yeah. being nicer to the crew. Yeah, killing yeah. them with sarcastic kindness, maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, one more quick note I did have about the direction, actually. I kind of love, uh, and again, I, I kind of have to credit Donna, the director, but the comedic timing idea of 
when Frank comes away from the like nightmare cremation scene and just goes like, I'm alive. And the film sort of in the background, the music itself just goes, Hallelujah, which always makes me laugh. Like it's not, it, it's completely non-diegetic and it's it's kind of, it, it's leaps onto you. But I'm just kind of like, that's funny. That is the director appreciating the level of humor and kind of like matching the tone for me. Because again, that, that's not something Marie could have improvised or anybody else. That's pure Richard Donner. And I thought like, genius bravo <laughs> isn't that funny i was thinking to myself oh that's pure danny elfman <laughs> oh well I guess, is it danny elfman that did the score because maybe so maybe so actually it is okay i should have known <laughs> yeah. there are certain bits of this looking back at it with hindsight and obviously you know most of his work came after but there are times on this especially where with during the cremation and those dutch angles it does feel very tim burton Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or just as you said, I mean, Ivan Reitman, even like you said, because it's I mean, people have said they expected it to be a big hit because it's Bill Murray and ghosts. And one of the uh, taglines for the film was Bill Murray's back around ghosts. But this time he's outnumbered three to one or whatever, you know, <laughs> um, they were they were really playing off the Ghostbusters thing. And even the effects, I mean, like I said, they they, they weren't your typical gentle ghosty effects. They went for the full on zombie loo and. You know, the, the horrible scene of the souls that the ghost of fe uh, feature has inside of his cloak or whatever, the way that they're all screaming out. But again, it, the fact that it then undercuts that with them like doing a little dance at the end of the movie, yeah. which is so weird. But um, another scene we haven't touched on, just the horrible scene of like Herman having frozen to death. And again, oh. a, a, a triumph for the effect, but it's horrible to watch. It breaks it's my heart, that one. Yeah. Absolutely. It definitely was one of the scenes that stuck with me too when I watched it when I was much younger. Yeah. And I never noticed until this viewing that he stays dead. He's one of the ghosts at the end of the movie waving yeah. to him. And I'm like, wow, that is so ouch. <laughs> like I figured when he turned himself around, he would have undone that. But no, he stays dead. I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> never mind, I suppose. And, uh, yeah, so I'm, we basically are talking about it, and we've talked about it already. So anything else about the kind of visual effects or anything on that area? Just that the Ghost of Christmas Future was really, I thought it was really well thought and planned and executed, especially all the screaming spirits trapped in his belly. Hmm. Yeah. I is is that it just really me, or does he have like... It, Maybe this is related to the whole themes, but does he have like a TV screen for a face? It seems like he does. Yeah, yeah. I love and they that. Put, they put Bill Murray's face in there for a couple mm. of the shots, you know, like yeah. real fast. But I, I love the, um, I liked it that character too because in the funeral scene, you see how huge he is. He yes. towers over him, like when he's viewing his, when Frank is looking at his casket, and you see him standing right next to him. It's just he's humongous. Well, I mean, the first time you see him, like you said, he's stretching from the bottom screen to the entire length of the wall of TV screens and then a giant hand reaching toward him. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Awesome. Uh, no, that, that it for the VFX then? I just think that they're extremely competent. They still hold up. Oh, I completely agree, yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's definitely not one for kids because it goes there with the effects. And I certainly wouldn't recommend watching it until you're of a certain age because... Like the Lou effect alone, I think, could be quite disturbing if you uh, if you aren't into your horror films and stuff the way we are. But otherwise, I mean, the effect itself, as you mentioned, the way that it's you know there's a mouse in the hole in his head and whatever, and the eye he has no eyes when he takes off his sunglasses, and the whole thing 
it looks like something out of a contemporary at the time Romero movie almost. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. And they could have uh, tried to use a bunch of special effects, but what I got at the feeling of that they were keeping it very much like the effects that they would make on that live studio. They kept yeah. them all very TV-ish. Yeah. Um, do you guys have anything? I, 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 I know we've touched on a lot of the actors already, but just quickly, I just want to jump on and again, you've already mentioned it, but Carol Kane's performance, the actual, I think that's the comedy highlight of the movie for me. Even though it's not that kind of comedy that I normally like, I don't like Love Bottom, for example, for British viewers, because it is just like beating people up comedy. But for me, Carol Kane totally sells it from the whole like ball breaker sweet thing at the start to trying to poke him in the eyes to hitting him with the toaster and everything. And it is purely her comedic timing and the kind of the way she delivers it, I think, that really makes it work. Would you guys say the same or not? Yeah. Yeah, she's actually my favorite ghost in this one. Oh, yeah, I love that scene where he's trying to climb through the window and she's dancing and just keeps hitting him with the wings. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's, as we've talked about everything else, so I don't want to repeat myself. It's but for the very first time this time, as he walks past the busking band at the very start of the film, that it is like all famous musicians. I spotted Paul Schaefer yep. from uh, by Saturday Night Live there. Band. Yeah. Oh, Miles Davis is Miles there. Miles Davis. That's uh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Love that. How do you get that guy, you know? That, that is know, right? my favorite track on the soundtrack. Aww. Well, of course, that would make sense. And just quickly, um, the, the, the the practical effect of the Ghost of Christmas past blowing the smoke through his ears. Some people have complained about it. I kind of love it. I know, yeah, it doesn't actually go from the right place and it's a bit above his ears and it's obviously tubes and whatever, but it's just such a fun, funny, practical, you know, non-CGI effect that I kind of like it anyway. Uh, and I think there was another one. but Oh, <laughs> this isn't really, this is obviously a CGI or whatever you want to call it kind of effect. But I burst out laughing so much when the ghost walks through the door in the past and then Frank follows him and just whacks on the door. And the ghost, like, faces back through and just laughs at him. I was like, yeah, again, it's cruel humor, but I just can't help but laugh anyway, you know? Awesome. Um, yeah, that's that's about it then. Unless you guys have anything on acting, VFX, anything else? No, I've, you've pretty much covered everything, mate. Uh, we'll move on then to our favorite character moment and line in the film. Uh, and we'll start with you, Adrienne. Haha, you weren't expecting that, were you? So who is no, your... I was not. It's okay. <laughs> so uh, my favorite character, I'm just going to say, is actually the um, on-screen chemistry between uh, Bill Murray and Karen Allen. Like, I think, it, thank goodness they had already known each other as actors and they were comfortable mm. playing. I just thought that was great. Um, and you said my favorite line? No, no, just character first, and then we'll okay, go around yeah. once, one step at a time. Okay. So, Sandy, who was your favorite character in the movie? Um, my favorite was um, Carol Kane in the, the Ghost of Christmas Present. She's just so bright and full of energy and so devilishly sweet. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, you stole mine, because for all the same reasons <laughs> you said, she's also my favorite. And just because I love Carol Kane, I'm biased. Um, so, yeah, DK, what about you? <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, Claire. Mm. I'm kind of glad somebody did. She was my, my close second. Yeah. Not only she's the, you know, kind of the moral compass in this and mm -hmm. someone I would aspire to be, but it's Karen Allen. She's got one mm -hmm. of the most beautiful smiles in Hollywood, if not oh, history. Yes. Absolutely. And she's great. Like, she's so believable in the scenes of, like, them as a couple, you know, yeah. in the bath or them, them opening their gifts and getting the Kama Sutra or... um 
what was the other moment? Oh, the moment, the really cool line when she sees him for the first time in years and he says, oh, same old Claire still trying to save, save the world and she replies to him and you're still trying to run it. I think it's yeah. a really fantastic summation of those characters. She's yeah, so good that. in it that you don't, you actually do... And, and to me, you don't get this in most uh, adaptations, but you actually are shouting at the TV that he is an idiot for letting her go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and again, it's it's funny how it kind of just echoes. It's the thing we should all know because it's just the Scrooge and Bell plot to the point that it even literally intersperses the two in one of the scenes. Like it flashes from his past flashback to that actual scene being filmed for the yeah. the musical that he's doing or the the live play. But it works because of the characters and because of the actors, I think. Anyway, <laughs> uh, what would be your favourite scene or moment in the movie? Sandy, haha, you weren't expecting that either way. <laughs> no, but I'm ready to go. My favourite scene is actually with the ghosts of Christmas Present and when they're standing outside the window and watching Grace and her family. And I feel like that's maybe the first moment he, you know, he mentions he didn't know that her husband had passed away. And then he's mm. laughing, seeing them... Uh, playing around and just making the best of their Christmas. And um, that's actually my favorite scene. I feel like it's so heartwarming and I feel like his heart grows just a little bit in that moment. His heart grew three sizes that day. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, DK, what about you? Uh, it's the part where Frank disrupts the live recording at the end and that whole entire mm. end speech. He, <laughs> it just gets me every time. I, I, I keep basically interrupting my own self because again you stole mine. So like, <laughs> that was I said sorry to be obvious, but it's the end. It's it's everything from that moment. So yeah. And uh, Adrian, what about you? Um, my my favorite line or my favorite scene? Uh, moment I, or scene first, please. Okay, my favorite. Well, my favorite scene is uh, the transition, like you just mentioned it, from the frisbee taping the frisbee show. Until uh, mm. where he had just broken up with Claire, and then the cab appears on the television, and the TV screen becomes the live show where Belle is breaking up with Ebenezer. <laughs> yeah, that's the, yeah. yeah, that's amazing to me. It is. There's so many great scenes in the movie. I mean, they're all worthy, absolutely. So, what is your favorite line in the movie, DK? Coming to you. Haha. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> getting random with this. Uh, it's just an excerpt, but it's. Oh, you won't be one of these bastards that says. Christmas is once a year and it's a fraud. It's not. It can happen every day. You've just got to want that feeling. And if you like it and you want it, you'll get greedy for it. You'll want it every day of your life and it can happen to you. Awesome. Fantastic. Good choice. Um, Sandy, what about you? <laughs> I like when he's on set and he tells everybody, uh, break a leg, everybody. I feel real weird about tonight. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, Adrienne, what about me? <laughs> oh, my favorite line is, Why didn't you stay with Claire? Why didn't you stay with Claire? She would have taken care of you. You would have eaten. You would have been warm. You might be alive. You'd be a prettier color, I'll tell you that. I'm going to take the other bit then, DK, for my favorite line. Yeah. You have to do something. You have to take a chance. You do have to get involved. There are people that are having having trouble making their miracle happen. There are people that don't have enough to eat. There are people that are cold. You can go out and say hello to these people. You can take an old blanket out of the closet and say, here, you can make them a sandwich and say, oh, by the way, here. I get it now. And if you if you give, then you then it can happen. Then the miracle can happen to you. It's not just the poor and the hungry. It's, it's everybody who's got to have this miracle. And it can happen tonight for all 
<laughs> I mean, we could just literally put that in speech because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <it's just fantastic. laughs> and in fact, I did, but you you did the other bit, so I was like, okay, I'll cut that bit out, and then I have less to say. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, so we're going to cross quickly over to our uh, audience uh, participation ghost of Christmas present fairy Sandy for our audience response to this one. So without further ado, Sandra, do you have the uh, audience reactions to Scrooge? I do. From the Nerdy Up North community, Pete Thomas says, what a movie. Absolutely fab this is. Set me off now. I'm going to have to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve Jones says it was a great film. Jason St. Martin says, among many movies that Bill Murray has done, this is definitely up there with Groundhog Day or Caddyshack for sure. I'd say this modern version of A Christmas Carol was so good, it became as much of a classic as the original story. Not as long standing, but that's the test of time. It might be very well known in 100 years. Mm -hmm. um, Kelly Ann Younghorn gave us a score we're going to have to factor in. She gave it 1 million stars. <laughs> Caroline we don't factor Harrison. in the audience scores, thankfully, because <laughs> oh. I'm not doing that math. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. I can't do that math. Caroline Harrison says, this is our Christmas Eve tradition. We watch Scrooged with a takeaway on Christmas Eve. I love it. Mm. Um, continuing on from the same Nerdy Up North community, David Hope says he loves it. And Damian Woods, great movie, one of Bill Murray's best performances. Disco says, one of my all-time favorite movies. And Ian Skine says, I love Scrooge. Pretty much anything with Bill Murray in it is usually epic. But this one is spot on. The theming and the overall take on Christmas Carol works well. Love it. Five out of five for me. Ray Kelly gave it a solid five. He says, I love pretty much every version of Christmas Carol. I feel the same. And this take on it is no exception. Bill Murray at his loud and zany best some neat effects and a lot of laugh out loud moments along with a proper feel good ending. David Howland says, put a little love in your heart and my first cinema film. And lastly, Jason Woodhead, along with Muppets Christmas Carol, this is watched at least once every Christmas. Maybe it's the fact that this Murray, that Murray gave absolutely zero Fs about the film because he detested the director, but this is definitely one of his highlight roles. You can hardly see her nipples, and these guys are really looking. <laughs> Fair enough. And is that uh, is that it for the audience then? That is for the audience interaction. That's fantastic. It. I've got one, mate. Okay, cool. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, from Simon Wolford Mullen. Hi, Simon. He says five stars, no flaws. Carol Kane literally kicks ass. Annie Lennox on the soundtrack. No Muppets. Bob Goldthwait. It's genius. Boo! No Muppets. Boo! <laughs> <laughs> Cool. And is that it then for the audience response this time? That's, that's all. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, okay, we'll go to the conclusion and score then, just so that we can, uh, can wrap up a nice Christmas bow on this. And uh, yeah, why don't we start with you, Adrienne, for your conclusion and your score out of five stars, please. My conclusion is I still love this movie, even though it's very dated to the late 80s. And I give mm. it a four out of five stars. Fantastic. Succinct and to the point. And what about you, Sandy? What's your conclusion and score out of five? I was a little bit disappointed when I watched this the other night, but talking about it with everybody, there was definitely a lot of things you all pointed out to me. Um, some things that I'd missed. 
And I give this uh, 3.7 out of 5. Uh, we can always trust Sandy to be way, just in the weird in between numbers. Okay, DK, what about your conclusion and score, please? Wait. Okay, I uh, I came late to this and didn't get into it for the longest time. Uh, truth be told, I always sort of felt like it was overhyped and the Bill Murray scenery chewing put me off. It wasn't until several years later that it finally clicked with me. Don't get me wrong. I still don't think it's perfect. Some scenes don't quite ring true for me. And while, yes, Frankie's supposed to be unlikable, as much as I love Murray, he's still a little over the top for me in this. That knocks it off slightly. I mean, I've always been more of a Muppets Christmas Carol fan anyway, personally. But having said that, it's still a great update on the Dickens classic. And unfortunate as it may be, it's still incredibly relevant. It hasn't dated too badly. And when Murray controls his tendencies, it works. The supporting cast is great. And Donna's direction is on point. Coupled with a suitably spooky Elfman score and a soundtrack that features some real bangers, the uh, the Al Green Annie Lennox song alone is just, mm, it, uh, it holds my attention. And then there's that ending. When that kicks in, any problems I have with the movie instantly melt away. It's perfect, and it gets me every time. And in that regard, it's one step up above other adaptations, as it's not just a passive uh, character. It speaks to you, the audience. It's incredibly 80s. It's cynical. It's jaded. It's commercial. But when those credits roll, it speaks to me, and I love it, and I'm going to give it four. Awesome. Okay. Uh, so there are four of us. I'm just working out the average because I know my score, but I'll read you it now. So uh, I said, it's not an easy task to take a story that is so well known and adapt it into something new whilst maintaining the core point and themes of the original. This modern updating of A Christmas Carol, though obviously dated by itself now, is a very effective use of the story to point its message towards more modern cynics and the problems of things like consumerism, corporate culture, and the pervasive influence of the media, which can be so easily misused and manipulated. As such, it makes the story, while not really new in any way, certainly more relevant. But what really shines is the little things in service of these larger themes. The performances are incredible with some great acting, incredible comedy, outstanding direction, great effects, and a sense of slightly more mature fun to appeal to those for whom the original might be just a bit too schmaltzy. What makes it a success for me is that it uses this sense of being a bit more grown up to sneak in exactly that schmaltz and thus hopefully delivers its beautiful message to people who might need to hear it just that little bit more. It's not a perfect movie. Some parts have dated really badly. Sometimes the familiarity works against it, despite the attempts to lampshade this. And there are small moments that perhaps push just that little bit too far, but its heart is absolutely in the right place. It's a fun time, something to enjoy for adults who still want to feel the love of the season and a well-made product with, as DK says, a truly brilliant ending. And I also gave it four out of five. So yeah, taking those scores, we add them together, divided by four to get our average. So the final score for Scrooge from the Silver Screen podcast is 3.925 out of five. So, I mean, basically four. <laughs> Sandy again bringing down the ass. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's we can't really say fairer than that. Like we see, it's not a perfect film by any means, but certainly it's still an enjoyable one and uh, not a terrible way to to round off the year of reviews on the Silver Screen podcast here. So, fantastic. Um, right, all that remains is for me to say uh, to everyone out there, have a fantastic Christmas and a great new year. We will be seeing you again uh, in 2024. Uh, so, you know, stay tuned. But in the meantime, have a fantastic holiday season. We really do extend our best wishes to you. And 
from me thank you so much to everyone who's been a guest on the silver screen podcast and the star trek podcast that we also do uh, this year it's been a, a rough one but we've got through it and we've got i think some quality content and specifically present company thank you so much to all three of you for being here for me to round off the year with this review and uh, yeah uh, dk do you have anything you want to say or anyone you anything you want to shout out for the audience uh not really no social media just to say happy holidays everyone and hope to see you uh, next year Awesome, awesome. And uh, yeah, DK will be back with cult classics next year as well, since they were a roaring success. So look out for those as well as the silver screen. Uh, Adrienne, what about you? Do you want to deliver a message for the audience and anywhere they can find you? Uh, yes, I'm still on uh, Twitter and at, well, I'm sorry, X. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, what I really want to say this year is for everyone, let's all wish for peace on Earth. Hmm. True, true. Yeah, things, we don't tend to get into the real world, uh, you know, outside of this TV screen or the, the movie screen, but there's a lot going on and we do really need to wish for that, I think, even harder this year. So thank you, Adrienne, for, for saying that. That's quite beautiful. Um, awesome. And what about you, Sandy? Any message and any anywhere people can find you? I just want to give a shout out to the can of tab soda on the boardroom table. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't know what to do with that, Sandy. <laughs> After Adrienne's really profound message as well. What <laughs> are you like? But no, thank you so much, Sandy. You've been a, a treasure. Well, all of you have, but Sandy, especially for helping out with the, you know, training up on editing and delivering our audience responses and things this year. And you and Adrienne just being genuinely so positive on the Discord and keeping us going have been a genuinely stars for the, the last year. And you are basically, as far as I'm concerned, you are honorary effective you know hosts and members of the silver screen podcast and we'll be seeing more of them audience don't you worry about that i'm sure so yeah awesome uh, and we know that you basically think we're the same person as well yes so that's and we're fun. okay <laughs> we're actually okay with it <laughs> look you're both female and american that's all I need <laughs> and nice yeah and so nice, exactly, actually yeah. very much alike which is wonderful so yeah yeah that's the thing. I, yeah, I, I, it's not a bad thing. You guys are both really sweet. <laughs> That's the thing. So, no, uh, awesome. Again, best wishes to everybody out there. Tune in and catch us again. I uh, I won't reveal any of what's coming up, but I will say there is going to be, like I said, in around a week's time on the 28th of December, a live review of the year that we're hoping everyone here will be a part of and a few other special guests. We're just basically going to round up the best TV and movies of 2023 and look back on it and then look forward potentially for a little uh, few minutes to 2024 and anything that's left on the slate that hasn't been affected by various viruses, strikes or whatever else is going on in the world. So, But no, have a great Christmas. Enjoy it. Really make the most of it. And let's see out the, the year well. And uh, yeah, Merry Absolutely. Christmas, everybody. And I'm going to leave the... Uh, Thank well, you for everything this year. Thank you for all you've all done for the podcast and all your hard work. And DK, here, here. you too. And Sandy, thank you so much for coming on with us. It's just wonderful to have you guys here. It's wonderful to well, be here. I adore you too, Adrian. Oh, okay. yay. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to leave the sign off then up to you for DK for this one to, to leave for the audience. So over to you. Remember, folks, we'll be back. God bless us, everyone. You've been listening to the Silver Screen Podcast, hosted by Michael Wilson and DK. Produced and edited by Mike Wilson. Additional material and behind-the-scenes sections by DK. Follow us on social media. 
Links to all of our social media pages can be found via the Linktree page listed in the episode's description. This podcast is part of the Mike's Podcast Network. You can listen to this and our sister podcasts on all good podcast providers by searching for Silver Screen Podcast or Mike's Podcasts. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share far and wide. Thank you for joining us. Come back next time for more movie magic, and hopefully this can be the beginning of a beautiful friendship.